0: Welcome to Practical Access, I'm Lisa Deeker.
1: And I'm Rebecca Hines. And today, Lisa, I know we have our friend, (laughs) Dr. Julie Dixon. Uh, And she's going to be talking to us about math and uh, anything else that strikes her. So why don't you you give us the the basics on Dr. Dixon.
0: Got it. And Dr. Dixon, uh, we thank you for joining us. And the joke is that everybody is our friend. So thank you for being another one of our friends. But, But Julie and I really do go back a long way. We've been friends since the day I walked in the door. So we're so happy you could be with us to talk to us today about math and maybe a little bit of your family. So welcome.
2: Thanks so much. I'm honored to be here. Uh, well,
0: thank you. Thank you. So I know you're, you're going to be too humble to admit this, but I would say you're one of the top math gurus in this country uh, in thinking about how we help people learn math. But I also think you have a really unique lens in disability. So my first question is going to be a really simple one. And that is, I'm a math teacher, it doesn't matter the grade level what's the first thing I should be thinking about to do high quality math when I have an inclusive setting? Where What should be my like primary thought? What's my big takeaway from, from a practical approach in your mind?
2: So for a practical approach, regardless, we want to make sure we keep the learning goal for the math lesson in mind. But once we've made sense of that learning goal, we want to select tasks that have a lot of opportunities for access. We often describe those tasks as having low floors and high ceilings so that more students can be included in the conversation. I love
0: it. I love it. And as we think about math today, I know you're a lover of discourse and and, and kids talking. Can you give me a little example of what that looks like? Like if you could de- describe the perfect classroom, what would that look like?
2: So the perfect classroom would involve a welcoming environment where students could engage in a conversation with what they have to bring to the table. I can give you an example of say a third grade class. So in a third grade class, exploring strategies for multiplication, a teacher might ask students, well, let's consider this fact six times seven. And we want to explore strategies to get to the product of six times seven, the answer if we multiplied six times seven, if we didn't know the answer already. By sharing that situation and offering students tools like manipulatives, like cubes that they could count, whiteboards they could draw on, and then welcoming students to provide strategies, we're allowing students to bring to the conversation What they have to offer. A student can say, Well, I can make six groups with seven of these counters in each group, and then I can count on all the counters. And the other student, though, could say, Well, I just know the fact. Another student could skip count, skip count seven, 14, 21, and so on. And so by sharing this task, that meets a learning goal of using strategies to multiply, but opening it up so students can share wherever they are and then students can make sense of each other's thinking. We, we set a stage for more access.
1: Thanks, Julie. So now let's expand this a little bit. That was a great example. And I'll stick kind of with elementary and I'm going to add on now special ed, but I'm going to stay away from secondary content experts for a moment. (laughs) Let's say I graduate from an elementary ed program and I just happen to be what I will call math resistant. Maybe I'm not confident as a teacher in my own math skills. So whether I'm a special ed teacher, elementary ed teacher, I'm not particularly confident myself. What are some good entry ways for me to build my own confidence in teaching math so that i'm not you know shortening that window of opportunity for my kids and i honestly i see that happen and i'm sure i'm sure you you do too where i just avoid i teach the fewest minutes of math that i can possibly get away with because i feel like i'm not great at it myself so how can i increase my own not only proficiency but confidence as a math instructor
2: Great question. And so that's common where people come to teach elementary school math, especially and lack some confidence in their own mathematics prowess, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. So what we want is to give the teacher opportunities to have experience as learners. And that could simply be by doing the tasks themselves with the aid of resources. So often we have published resources, textbooks for the class, and the teacher's editions to those textbooks go unopened. If a teacher's uncertain, unfamiliar, that is a really helpful resource, regardless of the curriculum you use, open the the teacher's edition and see how the math is described. It might be that you're not going to have time, especially if you limit your minutes teaching math, which I'd like you to suggest you not do, (laughs) but if you do, it's likely that you're not going to have time to do every problem that's in the lesson for the day from the textbook. So you can choose problems and then look at how the textbook describes how to teach those problems and look at the answers from the textbook by working backwards, you can make sense of the mathematics that you're teaching and bring that level, that greater level of confidence into your instruction.
0: Well, I I love that answer, and and I love knowing that you're this amazing mom with these two beautiful daughters that really represent this uh, range of twice-exceptionality. And so as a mother, uh, parent, and speaking to classroom teachers, what would you suggest if your child is gifted and struggles at the same time, especially in areas like mathematics, Uh, How do we approach that in the classroom and and as well as 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 a parent?
2: So that's a really big question. Mm -hmm. So we have gifted learners who struggle academically. We have gifted learners who struggle with the attention, with patience, with other students in the class. So it really depends on the student and the child for the parent. So parents know their children so well from the parents' perspective, I would have conversations with children about what's happening in your math class. What do you like about it? Where do you have uh, concern? Where do you have anxiety? And by having this, the child talk to the parent about their experiences, sometimes children can even work through strategies to be more successful in the classroom themselves i know with my own children when they were in the classroom situation they're grown now but in the classroom situation we would have lots of conversations what makes you feel successful in math class where do you feel less successful and now we can problem solve about strategies as a learner to bring in open-mindedness trying to communicate assert your needs when you're not understanding to share your needs with your own teacher so the teacher can get to know you better as well.
1: And Julie, segueing back to that classroom environment, you know, my background's in English ed, so I'm authentic when I say I don't know the best strategies and I don't know what the latest is out there, but I do know that, you know, sometimes I, I will go back and think back to some of the historical people in my own area and things like Nancy Atwell and her reader writer workshop. And there were just so many pieces about that that spoke to me because it's about mini lessons and creating a classroom where kids are uh, working on their own things, but coming back together and sharing, etc. What would you say are some of the seminal pieces that we could look at if we're just getting started as a math teacher that might give us some, you know, a nice, uh, you know, not a script to follow, but a nice pattern to follow so I can be comfortable as that math
2: leader, the National Council of teachers of mathematics provides great resources for teachers and even beginning teachers or teachers who are trying to develop this this level of comfort with teaching mathematics. There's a new document out catalyzing change that helps uh, with the conversation of equity, including access and around important mathematics in the mathematics classroom. I would encourage a look at that. Another one is uh, Principles to Actions, which describes teacher practices to um, help develop successful learners of mathematics. I think those would be two good places to start.
0: Great. And I'm, I'm going to throw out a seminal piece I think everyone should read, and that is the book that you wrote with your daughter's stroke of luck, uh, because I think also your journey in that of reteaching your daughter about mathematics, would you like to share a little bit about what's in that book with the listeners? I think it's just a great place for both parents and for new teachers to read and say, wow, um, math guru um, sharing her heart and soul in a book. It's, a, it's just a beautiful piece, and I'd love for you to share a little bit.
2: Sure, and thank you. So this book is written at, with by me and my daughter, Jessica Dixon. She wrote it when I think she was uh, 11 or so. And now she is a senior in college, studying double majoring in neuroscience and statistics and hoping to help us to understand the brain better. But it's about her older sister and my other daughter, Alex. Alex had a stroke when she was 12. It followed a long illness, but the stroke resulted in Alex needing to relearn all of her academics. It also uh, left her legally blind and half paralyzed, but let's talk about the academic part of this. Alex had to relearn everything. And so as an educator, I felt that I was very well prepared to help her relearn mathematics. And then I realized and, and found that I never should have taught anyone until I had the honor of reteaching Alex, because I learned so much from that process of finding ways to help Alex to be successful as a neurodiverse learner. And so the book takes us through the journey of Alex's illness, but also of her recovery. And we do share in it strategies to help students relearn help students learn when they do have struggles, and we provide some inspiration. So thanks for having me share that.
0: Yeah, and and you have to, I have to ask, can you share with everyone what Alex is doing now?
2: I sure can. So Alex just graduated from the University of Central Florida in early childhood education, and she minored in exceptional education. She is uh, hoping to be a teacher of uh, young learners, four-year-olds in an inclusive setting and she has decided to learn a bit more in this journey by starting her master's degree in early childhood education at the University of Central Florida. So she, as a neurodiverse and struggling learner, is uh, continuing to learn and grow and hopes to give back to education.
1: Well, it it helps when you have a mom who's an expert in education. (laughs) Um, So, Julie, my final question is a a simple one, yet a complex one. Math gets a bad rap, I think. Um, How do we make math feel more fun for learners and teachers? What's one off the cuff, one way to make math more fun?
2: One way to make math more fun is to make it more rich in discourse. I've enjoyed having this conversation with you all because we like to talk. We like to share what we learn socially. So what can we do with mathematics to make it more social is to share tasks with learners and have them talk about them, talk about learning to learn more deeply. And I think we also need to push ourselves as adults to embrace mathematics more readily and serve as models for our young learners. The more we can publicly publicly embrace mathematics positively, the more likely the students and children we teach and support can do the same.
0: So I'm going to piggyback on that question and ask you a similar question, two parts, but short what's your best advice for parents to help their kids with math and for your advice for parents um, with kids with disabilities? What would be your one takeaway for each of those areas?
2: So for parents to help their children with mathematics, let the children be the leaders. We know that we, we learn best when we can teach. So let the children teach us about what they're learning in school and have them explain and justify the math they're using. Make sense of what they're saying and engage in a conversation there. When we have students who struggle, it's gonna take longer. And so I would also encourage us to find ways to limit the number of problems we do with our students and, and rather than trying to limit the intensity of the problem so that we spend more time on fewer problems so that we can help our students who struggle to make sense of those problems. That's
0: great, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your multiple expertise and for being a great colleague and friend. So if you have questions, please post them on our Facebook page at Practical Access or you can tweet us at Access Practical. Thank you again, Dr. Dixon.
2: Thank you, take care.